Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you Renaissance people. Yes, that's right. This is Dr. John Bergman talking from the Dark Ages. Yes, that's right. It's flus and cold season, but this today we're going to talk about how the body works. Because, obviously, if the media is telling you, yes, the flu shot doesn't work, but you need to get it. And and if you get it and you get sick, your body just didn't get half sick. I mean, for one, anybody making a statement like that has no idea the theory behind vaccinations, and it's just ignorant. Okay, so let me present a scenario. For one, you cannot catch a flu. You cannot catch a cold. You have to earn it. Um, the pathogen, and this is Louis Pasteur, okay, the father of pasteurization, um, and him at the time when they were looking at these bugs, okay, the, the, the bacteria, the pathogens, and this is when they developed certain processing where they could kill the bugs. And the theory was that germs cause disease. Well, that's not true. Okay, it's actually a weakened host. And on his deathbed, Pasteur said, it is the terrain, not the pathogen. So it has to do with your body. So first, what do we got? We got a child, adult, or senior. The stresses of this type of year, okay, is toxic food, low sunlight, holidays, medications. There's going to be a change in activity level, generally less. And then you've got the most vaccinated toxic population the planet's ever seen. Then you have nutritional deficiencies. Uh, Toss on a host of other things. So what this does is weakens the immune system. Now, a pathogen, which is there, is going to take advantage of the weak host. That's what they do. Their viruses, they say, aren't even alive. They're like well-organized molecular parasites. Now, so what happens when it invades the body? Well, you have mucus layers around every orifice. So this mucus production is designed to wall off an invader or, or hold it while your body responds to it with cellular and humoral responses. So first, you get a pathogen. It hits the mucus. This causes histamines to be released. Then a fever results because your body recognizes this. Now, for every one degree increase in temperature, the the speed of the immune system doubles when you have a fever. And even if it goes into the bronchus or the lung passages, the bronchus may inflame as well. And then, since the mucus is walling this off and your immune system is battling this, you have an increased mucus production. So this is where coughing and sneezing is used to eliminate that mucus. And if it gets in the digestive tract, you can even have diarrhea. Diarrhea actually causes an alkalinization of of the, the system. And then what occurs? It's called recovery. I mean, simple, basic so I want you to look at this because what's insane is what we're doing. We're taking these natural body processes and and second-guessing it because the doctor is a lot smarter than your body. So let's look at fever. Fever, for every one degree increase in temperature, your speed of your immune system doubles. We're talking 64 times. Um, now, when we look at the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, Okay, what they say about fever is children who ran a fever during their first year were less likely to develop allergies later on in childhood. 
Wow, that's interesting. They say the brain has an internal regulatory mechanism that prevents fevers caused by infections from getting higher than 105 or 106 degrees. To damage the body, temperature has to be over 108 degrees, and this is impossible except by exceptional circumstances, such as heat stroke or central nervous system disorders. I mean, brilliant. And what they say is research shows that letting a fever run its course will reduce the length of severity of illnesses, colds, and flus. And then what does the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care say? They say that if you use acetaminophen, okay, that you increase the risk of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. So the crazy stuff that we're doing, okay, is we're decreasing the body's intelligent response to these pathogens. The first thing that you're going to do, you're going to have increased mucus production. You're going to have increased histamines. You're going to have an increased fever. So what do you do? Take an antihistamine? Take something to reduce the mucus production, such as nasonex or whatever the heck it is, or, and you're going to take something to reduce a fever? Well, the data doesn't support that. So if you have a doctor doing this or suggesting it, they need to go back to physiology and understand how the body actually works. So when you're looking at, um, let's say, antibiotics, because this is the typical scenario, and that the nightmare scenario is that you take your child to a doctor with a fever, and if the doctor is really sharp, they're going to say, look, you've got to let this fever run the course. You've got to allow the body to respond to this environment. You know, keep the kid warm if they're shivering, if they start to sweat, that's when they want to cool off. So you regulate the fever with a tepid sponge bath or a room temperature water bath to utilize air or evaporation to cool the body. You're not going to put a toxic chemical like acetaminophen in the child that increases the risk of lung damage. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you watch, watch the, the person who has the cold. If they're shivering, Give them a blanket or put them in a hot bath. If you've ever seen a child with a fever, they're lethargic they're, because it takes so much energy to develop a fever that, that it's, just, it's just exhausting. This is why the immune system is extremely metabolically expensive. So to generate a fever, it's a lot of energy. If you put them in a hot bath or an infrared sauna, what that does, it, it allows the body to take some time off because it needs to have an elevation in temperature. And if the temperature is already elevated from its surroundings, that actually is very beneficial. Here's the challenge. In today's lack of common sense world, you're going to have the standard doctor giving something to reduce the fever. And then they see the inflammation of the bronchus or inflammation of the body. Then they're going to give a steroid. Steroid actually weakens your immune system response. Then they give something. I mean, at the worst case scenario, they're going to give an antibiotic, even though it's more than likely a virus. And they'll say, well, antibiotics actually um, decrease the risk of secondary infections. Let's look at the American Journal of Epidemiology, 2005. Now, the researchers in this study 
looked that antibiotics during childhood increases likelihood of developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's right. And this is 3,000 patients with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They found out that those that had been given antibiotics, okay, more than 10 times as kids, were going to develop it. So... Um, and they even go on to state that this could mean the increasing use of antibiotics in 20th century might explain the massive rise in non-Hodgkin's lymphomas. They also said there's an increased risk of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma for users of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen and Motrin and Advil. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, I read these articles. I read these studies. I work with people. Okay, I mean, I'm talking hundreds of people. Our, our clinic sees over a thousand people in a week. This is insane. We need to understand that our bodies are designed to live on this planet. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of viruses. It's foolish to think that a vaccine against two to three of them are going to do anything to your immune system in the positive. It's absolutely asinine to second-guess your body's response to the environment. Now, if the person is that's experiencing this cold symptom has had vomiting, diarrhea, or lack of, of fluids, it makes perfect sense to hydrate them, to give them an IV. It'd be better to give them fluids through juicing and blending if they can swallow it. If they have a sore throat, what are you going to do? You put moist heat on that throat, and that's going to rush blood to the area, and that's going to allow allow the body to regenerate the tissue. And remember, viruses, funguses, and bacteria die at a higher temperature. It's absolutely insane that somebody second-guesses the immune system with acetaminophen, uh, Advil, Motrin, Tylenol, knowing that this causes an increase in chronic illness and disease. So what, what is the overall risk of, of the flu? I mean, is the flu vaccine actually effective or is it dangerous? The American Lung Association keeps track of these figures, and they say an average of 1,244 people die of the flu. Now, they actually have influenza deaths per age group. And from out of the 1,200 people a year that die okay, of the flu, you're talking about 1,100 of them are 65 and older. That means that the flu shot for the majority of people that die of the flu is completely ineffective because the flu shot is 0% effective if you're under 2 and 0% effective if you're over 65. That's right. I mean, they can't even measure an antibody response. Uh, why, why does the CDC or the doctors recommend it? You got your choices. You got ignorant or you got evil. Okay, and ignorant is the best shot. Why would somebody, knowing, knowing that you could reduce the fever in a child by giving a tepid sponge bath, or by putting them in a cool bath, all of this will reduce the fever. There's super benefits to ice baths, and people have done this for centuries because it massively stimulates the immune system. But that was what you would do if you had a problem. One of my sisters, she had rheumatic fever. I mean, just horrible, a fever that, that would not break day in and day out. 
So the doctor suggested we put her in an ice bath. I still remember Lori screaming. Um, but she was 100% perfect. Okay, after a little bit of time in there, it allowed her immune system to get stimulated. So just look at the body as intelligent. When we look at um, the viruses and pathogens out there, okay, you're talking uh, influenza A and B are less than 10% of all the viruses out there. So you got 90% chance of getting infected by uh, something other. I mean, we know that the multi-dose flu shot still contains mercury. That's right. And it, it which is okay if you're very, very large. But f- according to the EPA, uh, 25 micrograms of mercury in a shot means that it's unsafe for anyone weighing less than 550 pounds. And when we look at the October issue, the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine, they found that vaccinating young children against the flu appeared to have no impact on doctor visits, hospitalizations. Uh, In fact, quote, significant influenza vaccine effectiveness could not be demonstrated for any season, any age, or any setting. So what do we do? Well, we know one thing, and here's another um, abstract, and here's the the title of it. Increased risk of non-influenza respiratory virus infections associated with the receipt of an activated influenza vaccine. What they did, they had children that were injected with a flu shot. Now, remember, it's 0% effective if they're under two, 0% effective. And they follow them for nine months. And they found out that the people that got the flu had increased um, risk of being developing other respiratory viruses. So it turns out that the people that get the flu shot have increased risk of um, non-influenza infections. So that means it weakens the immune system. And what about pregnant women? Yeah, that's right. It's recommended for pregnant women since 2006. However, there's no studies on it. If we look at the journal Vaccine, and they talk about U.S. and FDA regulatory considerations, uh, while most, quote, while most vaccines currently licensed in the U.S. are not indicated for use during pregnancy, depending on the vaccine, vaccine programs do Um, not frequently include pregnant women. No data are collected regarding the vaccine's safety in pregnant women prior to licensure. Thus, there is increasing concern for unintentional exposure of an embryo or fetus before information is available regarding the potential risk versus benefits of the vaccine. That's right. And if anybody remembers way back to 2009, way back, Uh, there were nearly 3,000 spontaneous abortions from the swine flu shot. Uh, I've got a really cool quote. So now I'm doing a talk on history. But it's the history of medicine. And I'm talking patent medicine. So how do we get into such a state where the leading cause of death in America, one of the top four leading causes of death in America, is medical care? 
How do we get to a state where the right drug at the right time and the right dosage kills over 100,000 people a year and nobody goes to jail? Nobody goes to jail. How do we get into a state where you no longer have rights over your body that medical procedures are forced on you? We're talking compulsory vaccine. Forget informed consent. Now, there was a journal out of Lancet in 1938. Okay, now this was a journal article. And um, uh, the title of the article was From a Bacteriological Back Number. It's dated January 1st, 1938. Quote, Compulsory vaccination, which once had the suffrage of the nation, has now hardly a serious supporter. We are ashamed to jettison the idea completely and perhaps afraid that if we did, the accident of some future epidemic might put us in the wrong. We prefer to let compulsory vaccination die a natural death and are relieved that the general public is not curious enough to demand an inquest. In the meantime, our attention is diverted to other and new forms of immunizations. Wow. Okay, end of quote. So they knew that the compulsory uh, vaccinations were not working. Okay, way back in 2009... He found out that if you got the flu shot, that you actually had an increased risk of flu. And then, I mean, there's multiple journal articles. We're talking 2008 archives of um, pediatric and adolescent medicine. Okay, April 2008, Lancet. A study found that influenza vaccine was not associated with reduced pneumonia in older people. Uh, in fact, they went up to 15 to 50% from 15% to 65% vaccination rates, and no change in influenza death rates or damage. I mean, it's just study after study. And in fact, if you get a flu shot, and this is five flu shots in a row, uh, according to Dr. Hugh Fundenberg. Now, this is one of the world's premier immunogeneticists. He says the chance of getting Alzheimer's is 10 times higher. It's mind-boggling. So let's look at how to respond to the environment. Let's look at what you can do. Okay, doesn't, doesn't that make sense? Okay, how about, because tonight we're going to have uh, not, just, um, not just this data and information. We're going to have an open discussion on Facebook and YouTube, and it's going to be live on Facebook, so you can ask your questions. But let's go over what a scenario is. First, protect yourself. Realize that we're in a, in a stressful environment, and the best protection is a good offense. So get your vitamins. Get your deep sleep. Uh, treat your immune system health, healthy. Look at your physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Look at daily exercise. That's going to be vital. And realize that your body has certain physiologic processes that are vital, such as mucus production. That's actually really good. So if you do get a weakened immune system, and let's say you do get the sniffles, uh, what should you do? Well, what helps with the, the flu or what helps with an immune system response? Developing a fever. So get into an infrared sauna. Bundle up. Uh, get into a hot steam shower. Make sure that you have a water filter so you eliminate the fluoride and chlorine gas. 
um, build your immune system with healthy juices and, and blends. Look at the stuff you can add into hot soups, such as garlic and onions. How about spicy foods? Spicy foods like cayenne pepper can actually vasodilate and help make the mucus thin enough to where it can drain out. You do not want to suppress a cough with a cough suppressant. You do not want to lower a fever with an antifebrile. If your fever gets so hot and you've had diarrhea and, and vomiting and your body gets dehydrated and you can't sweat to regulate your temperature, that's a dangerous situation. That's when you've got to get hydrated. And if you're in the woods somewhere, you can hydrate through an enema. Or um, you may have to get a vitamin IV, and that, that'll be fine. <laughs> you're talking ridiculously rare cases. If you allow your body to go through this process and look at how your body's responding, if you are shivering, and I'm talking shivering like you're on, sitting on a block of ice and you have 104 fever, give that person a blanket, heat them up. If that person is sweating at 102 fever, guess what they're trying to do? They're trying to cool themselves off. So look at the body's response. Are they sweating? Are they, are they sweating? Are they um, shivering? Those are going to be a clue whether the body needs to heat up or cool down. Uh, don't just look at a number because uh, what I tell parents is to take your thermometer and throw it away. Okay, at the first sign of a fever, put the child in a hot bath. And, and parents always say, hot bath? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really, hot bath. Why? Because this way the child's body doesn't need to generate a fever. It doesn't need to work real hard. So that hot water can get in there and actually increase their immune system response. And then the moist air is going to loosen up the mucous membrane so they'll be able to have snot running out and they can clear their sinuses. I mean, it's phenomenal. And then bundle them up and have them run around because running around it actually stimulates the immune system. I mean, just phenomenal. If you want to get it, and then at, what do you feed them? Look at vasodilating soups. So look at root vegetables, carrots, potatoes, onions, healthy broth with lots of cayenne pepper. The spicier, the better. That's going to be vasodilating. It's going to thin the mucus and actually strengthen your immune system. There are so many safer ways to go. Now, if you um, have had a flu shot and you're forced to get a flu shot, understand this is psychotic. Not only a forced medical procedure without informed consent should be illegal. I really doubt if our founding fathers would find it uh, acceptable. Uh, so we have to get um, an out. And there are medical exemptions now, and typically medical exemptions for almost every profession except for the military. So you can get a genetic testing, and there's about nine different tests that you can look at. But look at the MTHFR gene, and about 80% of the population has that. And that means that your body can eliminate toxins the way um, the, the average person can. And since even the most uh, hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool, pro-vaccine person is going to admit that vaccines are ridiculously toxic, 
Okay, if they say, oh, yeah, there's just a little bit of mercury in the shot. Well, according to the EPA, you got to weigh 550 pounds to tolerate that, that heavy metal exposure. So if you do have a 550-pound infant, uh, that's more of a problem than getting the flu shot. Now, <laughs> these extreme times call for extreme solutions. <clears throat> That's why we've um, started the Extreme Health Academy. Now, what's cool about this is we've got a 14-day challenge, and that's right, it started on February 1st, so it ends on February 14th. And yeah, that's right. So this covers all the guys. So when the when the challenge ends, it's February 14th. So you've got to remember, go out and actually get um, flowers and chocolates. Uh, make sure they're organic chocolates. Uh, and have healthy sugar, and the flowers are pretty, and your sweetheart likes them. So, but go to extremehealthacademy.com and join the 14-day challenge. You can get on there, and there's going to be a number of different ways that you can um, participate. But there's going to be prizes. It's going to be actually really fun. Uh, and also, we're going to have podcast webinars. Uh, video courses, 24 hours of content. Uh, it's it's pretty neat because when you make a statement like, oh my gosh, I want to be protected from the flu. Uh, okay, good. I want you healthy too. If you get exposed to a weakened immune system and a virus takes advantage of that or bacteria or any kind of pathogen, I want you to be able to mount a healthy immune system response. And you do that by working with your immune system, not by taking a neurotoxic uh, substance that is 0% effective if you're over 65, 0% effective if you're under 2, um, and it's going to go after less than 10% of viruses, and it doesn't help. The flu shots now are made of literally cancer-causing ingredients. If you're in a job where you're forced to get it, i got to tell you, the safest one is going to be a single dose. Okay, so that way you don't have the mercury. It's going to be the chicken egg version, so you don't have the aborted human fetal cells, the monkey kidney tissue, or the dog kidney tissue. That's right. I know it sounds gross, but you can't isolate a virus, so you have to grow that virus in infected tissue so it can replicate, and they've been using since 2013 monkey kidney tissue, dog kidney tissue, aborted human fetal cells, and caterpillar larvae. So if you're forced to get it, and if you don't want to go through everything, uh, for sure don't take the acetaminophen, don't take the Advil Tylenol Motrin, don't um, take the antihistamines. You know, do what your grandma would tell you. You know, honey, get some good sleep. Honey, think right, eat right, move right. You know, go to your chiropractor, get your nervous system checked. But it is insane to take a toxic medical procedure unless you're forced to to keep your job. But is is that right? Does does that like um, sit in your soul comfortably that you have a forced medical procedure to keep your job or to go to school to get an education? Shouldn't we have rights over our own physiology? Shouldn't we have the rights to to um, get it. I mean, I wouldn't be pro giving someone vitamin C, even though it's non-toxic, safe, and effective. You don't have to be 550 pounds to take a dose of vitamin C. 
and there's not five doses of vitamin C where you get Alzheimer's, okay, that, that, you know, this is insane to do a toxic, inefficient procedure and vitamin C protects you from everything. I still would not be behind a program that would force vitamin C on people because, by God, people should have rights over their own system. Uh, it's, it's just to honor the individual's right to choose. That just makes sense. Or if you're fear-based, psychotic, and suffering from bad doctor syndrome, and you're in this psychosis of forcing medical procedures on people because you're fear and ignorant, uh, I'll meet you in the parking lot. Okay? It's time that you change your profession. If you start respecting people that they're self-healing and self-regulating, and you work with the immune system, great. But if you're a shill for big pharma and realize that those medical procedures you can't sue the manufacturer. When they messed up and screwed up the swine flu shot in 2009 and a bunch of people died from it, you can't sue because we've got a, an immunity law that protects the vaccine manufacturers. Some doctors are out there, they're waking up. Other doctors are blind. Ignorance is bliss. So the gloves are coming off. It's time to look at the science. If you don't appreciate that a human body is self-healing and self-regulating, get the heck out of the business. Okay, if you understand anatomy and physiology and you, and you know that the body is self-healing and self-regulating, welcome to my world. Okay, this is Dr. John Bergman. When you walk by a mirror, you smile because you are made in the image and likeness of God. Okay, and you are designed to adapt and live on this environment. And when, you know, knowing that there's hundreds of billions of viruses out there and you're designed to live in this environment, all you need is a strong immune system, uh, develop it. It's in your power. So this is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.